Hey guys, in today's episode, I am joined by Tom Worcester, a young entrepreneur that's best known for creating the company behind the anti-theft hydration pack, Lunchbox. But there's a lot more to Tom than Lunchbox. Today we chat about how attending shows brought him out of his shell and why he's so passionate about creating products that serve this community. So without further ado, let's get into it. What is up, you guys? Welcome back to Rave Culture Cast, your weekly guide to the EDM community, music festivals, and more. My name is Emma Capotis. I am the host of this podcast. Happy Wednesday, everybody. I finally feel like we can all collectively breathe a sigh of relief. I don't know if I speak for everyone, but last week was weird. I was in the worst mood. I just feel like there was a lot of emotional stuff happening. It was really heavy for a lot of people. So I do hope that you guys enjoyed last week's episode all about Plur. I really wanted to celebrate the amazing side of this community and all the positivity that's brought into my life. And I wanted to share that with you guys. So I'm glad that you enjoyed it and it got such a positive response. So that makes me really, really excited This week, we've got an awesome interview in store for you with one of my good friends, Tom Worcester. Like I mentioned, he is a super talented young entrepreneur. He has had all types of different businesses, and most notably, he has created the company Lunchbox, which I talk about a lot. I am actually a part of the team as a part-time member, and we're going to talk about all that fun stuff today, but I know you guys are really, really going to enjoy this conversation with him because he has an incredible story and truly, truly cares about this community and creating products for it. So we are going to get into all kinds of fun conversations today. So get excited. But before we jump into things, I just wanted to remind you guys that the Rave Culture Cast merch line is officially out. It's been so amazing to see you guys posting pictures in your merch. So keep doing that. Tag at Rave Culture Cast and at Emma Capotis so I can see you all rocking your merch. But anyway, holidays are coming up. Black Friday is coming up. I don't know. uh, Maybe we'll have some deals this year. I will definitely see. But check out the beanies. We've got long sleeves, hoodies, all that fun stuff. There will be a link in the bio. So definitely go pick something up for your mom, your dad, your cousin, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, all of the rave fam. Uh, Without further ado, I want to jump right into our listener of the week segment. And this week we've got a fun one. But really quickly, you guys, I am running out of nominations. So if you guys want me to shout out anybody on this podcast that either, you know, is a friend of yours, a listener, somebody that's made an impact in your life, somebody you just want to celebrate and we want to shout out, definitely email me raveculturecast at gmail.com with your listener of the week nominations. So this one comes from Laura, Laura Gilb. What is up, girl? She said, I wanted to nominate my boyfriend, Tim. On December 1st, it will be our four-year anniversary. I am so happy to have him in my life. Also, he is the one that took me to my first EDM show to see Odessa and first EDM festival at Lost Lands 2018. He is an awesome raver and aspires me to be creative each and every day. He is also a great cat dad to our cats, Frank and Dolores. He is my best friend and I love him so very much from Laura G at the underscore festival underscore runner. Love it. 
love all the rave couples in here i love celebrating love so you guys happy anniversary that is amazing shout out tim thank you for being a part of this family i hope you guys get to do something special on december 1st and enjoy your time together but thank you guys so much for writing in and again anybody if you want to nominate someone for listener of the week again please feel free to email me or dm me or comment in the facebook group if you guys aren't already a part of it All right, without further ado, I want to jump into this interview because Tom and I cover a ton today. So really quickly, uh, backstory. I know we're going to address it, but I basically found out about Tom when Lunchbox emailed me in, I think it was May 2019. I did not know about Lunchbox, but they wanted to send me a hydration pack to test it out at EDC Las Vegas. They had just come off of their Kickstarter campaign and I looked at their website and was like, huh. This kind of seems like they've literally thought about everything. So definitely we'll try it out. And then first night of EDC Las Vegas, Friday, I was going to see Bijou at Stereo Bloom. Somebody taps me on my shoulder. I turn around. It was Tom. He spotted my lunchbox in the crowd. And, you know, the relationship just kind of spiraled from there. And like I said, now I'm a part-time team member of Lunchbox. I've gotten to know Tom and the whole team really well. And everybody is such a hard worker. And again, Tom, just on a personal level, has so many layers to him. He is extremely smart and innovative, and he has a lot of hobbies outside of his work. But I think if anybody's an aspiring entrepreneur or you want to create a product for the festival scene or you're into like photography and videography, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And again, he has a really interesting story, so I'm going to let him tell you all about that. But basically, discovering festivals and EDM and going to shows brought him out of his shell it made him feel more comfortable with himself and he really found like his friends and family in this community and I think a lot of people can relate to that like I know a lot of my friends are festival friends now and it's just like we click on another level you know what I mean so I'll let him tell that story to you guys today and then I need all of you to stick around till the very end of the interview because Tom has an extremely exciting announcement about Lunchbox, so definitely stick around till the end. Uh, I've also got a ton of EDM news today, you guys. I do that segment in the last like 20 minutes, so stick around. We've got a lot to cover and then I'll wrap it up with songs of the week. All right, I'm going to stop blabbing. Uh, Let's just jump right into this. Please join me in welcoming Tom to the podcast. Hello, hello. Hello, what is up? We have so much to talk about. Um, I know we actually had a request to have you on the podcast. So this is really exciting. And I, I feel like some people will be familiar with you through Lunchbox, but I want today, I want people to just get to know you on another level and talk about everything you're doing outside of Lunchbox. And yeah, like what really... I don't know what makes you what you're passionate about in life is kind of what I want to talk about today. But before we get into things, do you want to tell the story of when we first met in person? A hundred percent. So first off, guys, thank you so much for having me, Emma. Thank you for uh, offering to have me come on today. Mm-hmm. As you can tell, I'm all merged up with my rave culture cast <laughs> uh, kind of premium uh, premium tees. I've been living in this thing, sleeping in it. So yes. that's as OG as it gets right there. Um <laughs> So hi guys, uh, my name is Tom Worcester. I am the CEO and founder of Lunchbox. And um, yeah, and along the way, I've gotten to uh, kind of meet Emma and a couple other amazing people in the community that have really made this a standout experience to begin with. Um, so Emma and I have a kind of a cool, like, I guess, union story, as it yeah. were. 
so ahead of um, ahead of EDC Las Vegas in 2019, Lunchbox had had our first Kickstarter in December of 2018, delivering for EDC 2019. So that was a really important window for us. We wanted to make sure everyone had a Lunchbox so they could have the best EDC experience. Yeah, uh, Emma, we had exchanged some emails back and forth. Hey, we'd love to kind of get your thoughts on this. Uh, we, we know you appreciate quality. We know this, this is something that, that kind of jives with you as an EDC coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I ended up meeting Emma literally in the crowd, chasing down her lunchbox, saw her with her big blue braids. And so I surprised <laughs> her, said, hi, what's up, lunchbox fam? She turns around and it's Emma Capotas. And finally it was like, ah, this was kind of meant to happen. And so it was one of yeah. those things where in a moment it was like discovering each other, n- not necessarily randomly, but by mm-hmm. chance in the festival crowd. And in, since then, we've had so many of those similar style moments. And I think we actually ran into each other not once, but with two or three times that weekend overall, I right? I think so. Yeah, it was um, the first time was Friday night. Yep. I had like my neon, like green braids, which you could probably spot me out in a crowd. But that's the funny thing about Tom we'll talk about today. Like when he sees lunchboxes in the crowd, obviously it's like his baby. So he has to run over and say something. And that's just like collectively part of the lunchbox fam. But yeah, we were headed to... Um, we were at Stereo Bloom going to Bijou, I think it was the That's first right. night. But it was just such a funny moment because I turned around like not knowing who it was and like recognized you right away. So that was just a really cool moment. And it was my first time obviously wearing Lunchbox the first night of EDC. So yeah, that kind of kicked off the whole partnership. <laughs> Before we jump into everything, I want to step back a little bit. Um, of course, could you do like a little intro to yourself, where you're from? I know you mentioned what you do um, and just your story, like what first got you into dance music in the first place? Yeah. So again, my name is Tom Worcester. Uh, I grew up in Connecticut, went to uh, university uh, at Wake Forest University in North Carolina. So I was a Southern boy for a bit, uh, kind of came back up and was been kind of bouncing between Washington, D.C. and uh, in New York ever since then. Um, and for me, dance music has kind of been Something where senior year of high school, um, I was actually headed down to Miami for a tennis tournament. Um, there was a, at the time, it was called the Sony Ericsson Open. Now it's known as the Miami Open, held on Key Biscayne. And it was one of those things where I was down there for a week and a half, and I was super excited to see all these tennis players. And also in the background, I had been listening to a ton of dance music when I worked or studied or worked out, but I never kind of like actually made it real. Mm-hmm. And so I'm headed down there, and somebody goes, wait, you know that there is a music festival happening down there at the same time. I'm like, really? Like, I had no idea. And so it turns out it's Ultra Music Festival. I think this was still when they had two weekends. So I ended up heading down there, getting day passes for, I think, that Saturday or that Friday and Saturday. And so not knowing what the hell was going on, wearing like a lacrosse jersey. Like, I I was looking looking straight (laughs) out of Lollapalooza. Um, but wearing like a lacrosse jersey and it was with, with a buddy of mine who also had never done this before. And meanwhile, we go into our full state, first day of, of Ultra Music Festival. I think it was 2013. And we're losing our minds to Calvin Harris and, and loving, loving the overall set the energy. But the whole time we were like, what is going on? What do we do? Are we supposed to have our hands in the air? Like, what are we like? What is what is this experience? And so that was kind of my dipping my toes into the, the dance world in terms of events for the first time. But what I will say is that other than a few kind of great interactions, there wasn't much of a community behind it, right? I mean, Ultra is also known as kind of a keep to yourself festival. Everyone's kind of like, oh, you know, give me some space. And so we had a great time, but I didn't really fully understood what it meant. So then flash forward a couple of years, started to go to the Fireflies of the world, the Electric Mm -hmm. Zoos, uh, Okeechobee in 16 and 17, Mm -hmm. um, and did Firefly for, you know, four or five years. And started to really enjoy not just the music element where, again, like I do love alternative rock and indie and dance. So I, I like that multi-genre effect. 
But actually the thing that really, that really got me at the beginning was the camping experiences at Firefly. So okay. whether it was walking around a campground and just going from, uh, you know, tent to tent to tent to tent, or mm-hmm. even just getting to meet people and next to you, having like the time of their life at a crowd, everyone was so approachable. And so the interesting thing for me as well is that I actually grew up with hearing loss, right? So for me, I was always kind of like a little, a little laid back, like, you know, kind of stay, stand your ground mm-hmm. and events and that type of getting to go from like, you know, crowd to crowd or tent to tent mm-hmm. actually made it, made it a lot easier for me to kind of get over just, you know, that level of hearing loss. And by being in a warm and welcoming environment, I actually started to lay the foundation of being able to come to terms with it. So the big thing here is that music festivals for me and events for me isn't just about the actual experience itself. It's right. about what the experience represents, where I was in a comfortable enough environment where I was able to look inwards at some things I didn't like about myself and actually make peace with those things. And then to right. meet people who appreciated the person who was standing in front of them, not for you know a lack of hearing or something similar. Mm-hmm. And so when I realized that festivals could do this, when that they could essentially serve as a catalyst for personal growth, Right. The way I thought about them and the way I kind of understand them now totally changed because it wasn't just about the music. It wasn't just mm-hmm. about having a great party. It became about understanding the nature of how community can help people grow. Mm-hmm. And so that core idea has really evolved and evolved and evolved into the Lunchbox fam of today, where mm-hmm. a big part of the community that we're a part of isn't just having a good product. It's being able to walk up to a stranger in a crowd who has a lunchbox, being able to say, hey, what are you about? Where are you from? What are you interested in? And having that kind of built-in icebreaker to create those catalyzing moments for members of our community. So again, it's not about the festival itself. It's about what the music allows you to do in terms of bringing you together such that you can have an experience that actually takes you away from the festival as a better person or or, or more wholehearted or, or whatever really resonates for you. Right, for sure. I know. I'm so glad you touched on that because I think that is something like, I feel like for some people, they can maybe like attend a festival once or a show once and it just doesn't have that same impact on their life. But I feel like for myself and a lot of people listening to it, like these experiences have genuinely changed our life. And I can't imagine life before events because they genuinely made us different people, right? Like we actually found where we feel like we belong. We found the community we resonate with the most and it genuinely has made such an impact, obviously for you now affecting your career and what you do for a living too. Like it made that much of an impact on you. So I think that's amazing. And you're very much right about Ultra. Ultra is more of like a party festival. I had that same experience there where I felt like I didn't, I didn't have that community feeling there. It's like such a fun festival, but I know Ultra was a reason, a main reason for you for uh, launching Lunchbox as well. But before I ask you that, I did want to ask you a little bit about what you went to school for and how you became an entrepreneur. Like, where did this interest for you come from? So it's a good question. Uh, The weird thing about entrepreneurial paths is that they're never direct. They're kind of all over the place and you end Mm -hmm. up getting somewhere from 11 different directions. Uh, So I went to school for finance, um, starting in like freshman, sophomore year of college. I was convinced I was going to go to Wall Street. I was going to go to trade equities. And it's going to be like, you know, this, this, this very clear cut path. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was also a classics minor on the side. I'd always loved Greek myth and Roman myth and story. And I, for me, I always loved the idea of being able to go really, really deep on a narrative, whether it was a tragedy or a comedy. And I was looking for that deeper meaning. 
And so I kind of had those two sides when I, of my, of my studies, right. The financial side, and then kind of like the classics and literature side. Okay. And for me, uh, it got to the point where, you know, Wake Forest is a while great academic school. It's also a pretty fun party campus. Mm -hmm. And so after kind of looking backwards on my weekends for, you know, freshman and sophomore year, doing the whole fraternity thing, um, Mm -hmm. I recognized that I didn't have a lot to show for the time I had spent. And so for me, that really rubbed me the wrong way because I was, you know, I was looking at kind of these weekends that were speeding by. And yes, they were a great time spent with friends. But when I look back, each weekend hadn't added up to anything more. And so that really bothered me. Okay. So starting junior year of college, we started to kind of get into this idea of we want to build something and we want to have something that's kind of growing week to week. And what does that look like? Uh, Wake Forest is a big Greek campus with a pretty big sorority life scene. And okay. the girls in our campus actually wore Chuck Taylor shoes in the colors of their sorority. So Chi Omega was red, Kappa Kappa Gamma was blue, um, Delta Gamma was pink and green, and all these different colors. Um, and we were like, all right, so the girls are wearing Converse shoes matching the sorority, which is a pretty popular trend in the South. Mm-hmm. What if we develop sorority shoelaces so they can kind of like actually decorate those with kind of like the next level of, of spirit wear? Got it. Okay. Anyway, yeah. we had that idea in September of 2015. Um, four and a half months later, after we had acquired licensing rights, designed the first shoelaces, um, found suppliers in North Carolina, found packaging, and got all of our branding together, we launched on the uh, on the campus of Wake Forest University in January of 2016, and sold something like twenty thousand dollars of shoelaces in uh, in like a couple of weeks. Crazy. So it was one of those things where it was like <laughs> it was kind of like a whoa moment for me. Yeah. It, again, it wasn't just about the thing that happened. It was about that you could finally bring all these systems together of product right. design and artwork and branding and accounting and supply chain. You could bring all those things together into a thing that worked. Right. And so right. for me, that was kind of like swallowing the red pill in the matrix, where like once you see that that's <laughs> possible, it becomes really, really hard to go back. Right. And so over the next year and a half, two years. Um, Loopy Laces, it was called, uh, grew from a product catalog of eight sorority shoelaces to over 60 different sorority products. And we wholesale wow. to different sorority chapters that were you know, had their bid days where they buy 80 phone pockets or, or right. bracelets or whatever it was. Um, and we'd also sell into a nationwide network of stores. So when all mm-hmm. was said and done, by the time we were graduating, we had sold into over 100 different campuses. We were stocked wow. in 25 stores nationally. And it was one of the things where like, you know, it paid for our spring breaks, it paid for kind of our, our fun weekends. Um, and it wasn't a massive project, right? It, it was something that, that you know, we, we kind of had our time with and it was great college business. But most importantly, it taught us kind of how we wanted to build things going forward and show that mm-hmm. things could be built. It showed that again, if you bring all these threads together of having a product and having the research and having a sales network and having stores and having good branding and having good so that all this could roll together in this kind of big potpourri of a business. And right. so that part and letting it run and letting it kind of stand and building the system behind it was kind of an addictive experience. And so that was kind of the first time I really got to step back and say, okay, I really like this feeling of building something. Mm-hmm. So when I graduated, I was looking at, you know, a world in finance where, hey, I can go slave for 12, 14 hours a day on an yeah. equities desk. And I'm sure the money would be great. Right. Or I can kind of do this thing where I feel creatively inspired and I get to talk to customers and I get to talk to people who are interested in buying products and de- develop those products and actually solve problems. Mm-hmm. And I felt far more pulled into the product you know, development and photography and videography and kind of the, the creative action path far mm-hmm. more than the finance path, even though it was riskier. Right. 
can you talk a little bit too? I know one of your passions is photography and you do incredible shoots with lunchbox and things like that on your own. Like, is that something you were picking up in college as well? Like, were you just teaching yourself that or did that come a little bit after college? No. So the, the, my first real experience with photography was primarily shooting the first product photos for loopy laces. Okay. So we, we, would, we would get models on campus. We would you know, tie up all of our little shoelaces, find a bench, find a brick wall or find somewhere nice on campus. And we would start doing photo shoots so we could advertise our products. Um, and I wasn't good. You know, it was one of those things where it's like my, uh, it was, the shots were underexposed. The shutter speed was way off. The, the, fo- the photos weren't completely in focus, but it didn't matter. Right. Like, it, like that was me getting started. And so when I graduated, I ended up getting a, a Canon EOS 80D, which is like a, like a mid, mid-level camera where I was like, you know what, like I'm going to take the time to get this down. Uh, right. And that camera has served me so well over the years. And actually a lot of the Lunchbox early creative that you've seen was shot on that base. And so it was one of those things where I knew nothing, right? I knew yeah. absolutely nothing. But by the virtue of doing these product photos for shoelaces, I then was able to do lifestyle photos for Lunchbox, which have been used on our socials, our websites, product photography for Lunchbox used on social websites. And the next step of that is kind of really getting into video work where we're now we're incorporating stabilizers and black magic cameras and studio mm-hmm. lighting. And it's just like, step one was, was nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> step two was like this, all right, trying to like screw around a little bit. And step three was really working to understand how these videography systems work. And most importantly, how to tell a product story online. And so mm-hmm. there's a real growth trajectory there. And one that gives me a lot of energy and catalyzes me in a lot of ways, because I, I feel excited. I wake up, I leap out of bed. I'm like, okay, let's create today. And that experience yep. is super fulfilling for me. I love it. You guys would be so amazed. Like I learned so much from Tom as far as like the equipment you use and everything. And like the shoots honestly are amazing for like such a small team and like the limited resources. It's just unreal, the equipment and everything. And I'm just amazed at how much you've learned throughout this whole process. But I think this will be a great episode for people to listen to, especially now, like so many people don't want to have the desk job and like probably feel exactly how how you did. They want to be creative. They want to work for themselves or create a product. So it's important. I mean, how much time do you spend learning or like, you know, where do you get inspired? Do you listen to podcasts? Do you read a lot? Like how much time are you investing in education? Well, there's two parts to that, right? I mean, all good entrepreneurs are learning every single second of every day, whether it's doing things you know or it's things you don't, right? And a lot of that comes down to asking for constructive criticism. What could I be doing better? Taking the time to look at your own decisions and did that lead to a good or bad outcome? Mm -hmm. There's the first part of it, which is really making sure that you're learning from every single stimuli in front of you. That part's important. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of categorical learning, um, I do listen to some podcasts, How I Built This is one of my favorites. But I do a lot of uh, both written and uh, and read learning. So on the red side, you can actually see my bookshelf at the back there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm generally powering through a book every two weeks. Uh, I start my mornings with nonfiction. I start. I finish my days with fiction because it helps me kind of wind down. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it's like very much active reading, underlining, and then I'll basically use those as the source of a journal entry either the next morning or the next time I want to sit down and write. And mm-hmm. I'll really process the lessons from the books. Um, so some highlights are, for example, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, um, Good to Great by Jim Collins, uh, and all these incredible, just honestly, just bastions of information where, mm-hmm. you know, the single greatest resource that we have as humans is the ability to pass down knowledge over generations. And so we look at the library, we look at a bookshelf, and we see the ability to access the greatest thinkers and the greatest minds of the past to leave that and not act and not be intentional about consuming that. 
means that you're leaving yourself at a pretty major disadvantage. So on the reading side, super heavy. And then on the writing side, I'm kind of, I have like a whole notebook structure that's worked for me that I've developed over the years. Yes, um, so I've got three <laughs> notebooks that, oh, I'm, believe, I'm, a, I'm a see me type a million <laughs> notes. Um, but the thing for me that, uh, that I have is I have three kind of core notebooks. I've got my planner. So this is telling me what I have to get done in the coming week. What am I doing per day? How do I know when I'm done? This is a super important part because if you don't know when you're done and you, spend, you, you go to bed feeling unfulfilled, you don't know when to stop and this is key. Yep. The second one is my draft ideas notebook. So when I'm kind of thinking about something or I'm trying to think through something, these are blank pages with no line that give me permission to be wrong, but also permission to explore and to see where a thread takes me. This could be an idea for a new product, a copy for an ad campaign, thinking about how to handle a situation, who knows. Right. And the third one is my favorite. This is my final ideas notebook. So once I've kind of taken the unlined draft ideas notebook, I then have a lined, larger, you know, nicely bound, uh, big ideas notebook. And that kind of contains my best lessons and consolidate my best thinking. Okay. So there's this thing called draft for thinking, where then... Um, and the, the specific the specific author escapes me right now, but draft for thinking is essentially that the best draft of something is not the first draft, it's not the second draft, it's not the third draft, but the best draft of a novel, for example, is the fourth draft. And so when you go into ideas and you go to into these, these new iterations and you're kind of expecting, okay, it's not going to be draft one, I'm going to get it a little bit better for draft two, a little better for draft three, but by, by the time it gets to draft four, then yep. you're at a point where, okay, I believe that this is a good idea or this is a finished piece of work but also understanding that it's not going to be finished before draft four. So the okay, notebooks okay. for me help to give me permission to let myself be wrong and get better and get better. By the time we get to that fourth iteration of something, then it's pretty damn good. And I, I'm, I'm pretty proud to stand by it. I love that. This is going to be so, I hope people who listen to this on Wednesday morning, wake up today, feeling inspired by this conversation. There is something really nice though. I will say about actually physically writing and not taking notes on a computer. And you know, there's Trello and there, there's all these organizational tools, which are great to just get ideas out. But I will say just having a journal and actually writing down notes or like I'm big with, um, what is it? Post-it notes. Like I yeah, have a million post-it notes all over my computer. It's a problem, but I agree with you. There's just something nice about like getting it down on paper and actually physically writing it. Yeah. And, and also it's, it's a matter of tangibility, right? Being able to hold mm -hmm. something, to write something, to feel something like that. You've got a, You've got like the, the flow of achievement happening in real time. So instead of it being like, okay, I just like type in a word doc and I close my computer and it's done. You can mm -hmm. look over the ink of the pen that you've been clutching for the last hour and a half and be like, no, I did this. And so it gives right. you kind of a little bit of like that extra push to keep going. For sure. Yeah. And okay. So now we got to jump into the world of festivals and the EDM community, because I know it's such a big part of your life. But um, for some people who may not be familiar with Lunchbox, Lunchbox is an anti-theft hydration pack that Tom here founded. And I would love for you to take us back to the beginning. I mean, like we spoke a little bit about Ultra before, but where did the original idea come from? Um, and can you walk us through some of those like struggles you had in the very beginning? Totally. So the context here is that in 2018, it's been five years of, of Tom, the event goer, who started mm -hmm. to see the problems that might arise at events, problems that have been popping up. And Ultra in 2018 kind of served as like this very, almost like fitting example of all the problems happening in one go, where we mm -hmm. kind of took a step back and we we're like, all right, whoa. So right. context, Ultra 2018, it's the 20th anniversary. It's an absolutely insane lineup. Um, I, I can't even begin to tell you how excited I was going into this. Uh, it was, you know, we had Lost Kings on the lineup. We had so many amazing tech house DJs. Uh, and for us, it was like, 
the perfect culmination of kind of like the beginning of the spring. And I'm walking in with a friend of mine, we're meeting a group inside. I have a, um, I have like a, a camel back on my bag and I'm wearing, you know, I've got a hoodie in there. I've got some camera lenses. Mm-hmm. I've got everything I need for the day. I think I'm prepared. And my buddy's got like this tiny one of those little narrow camel backs. So, you know, we, we both have water throughout the day. We wait through the security line, which is like an hour. It's pretty standard for ultra. We yes. get to the front and it ends up being one of those things where we actually have a, a bit of a problem at the gate. So despite the fact that ultra guidelines very quick and very specifically ruled out the bag that I had would have gotten in, security right. guard goes, yeah, no way this gets in. I'm like, okay, just to be clear, like, here are the dimensions. Here are the posted rules. This is fine. Yeah. What are we doing here? Yeah. He's like, no, no, bro. You can go out. You can go to the back of the line. You can drop the bag. And so I'm looking back over my shoulder at this yeah. long ass line. I'm like, I don't really want to wait two hours. I don't want to run this back to the, you know, the apartment that we were staying mm-hmm. at. And so I ended up like, taking all my stuff out of the bag. And I'm wearing like an aggressively short bathing suit. It's ultra, yeah. right? <laughs> and so I've got like one pocket in my back. I now have a hoodie tied around my waist. It was a light hoodie, but it was a hoodie tied around my waist. Yeah. I have a camera lens like kind of tucked underneath my uh, like my my compression shorts. I have a phone half sticking out of my back pocket. Oh my god! And I, and I look at my friend. He's holding his tiny little camel back, and I'm holding this big armful of stuff. And he's like, "No, no, 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 no! Please, please! I'm just like, no, please, can I just put this?" Like, no, 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 you can't. And so I ended up having to throw out this bag basically at the gate. It wasn't there when I went back later that night? Go figure. Mm-hmm. But I walk into one of the biggest festivals of the year, one of the literally hottest festivals in terms of heat and, and just kind of just general exhaustion right. unprepared and, and it was like give up the day or you know take this loss now and make it happen right so we get in i'm kind of annoyed but i'm like all right i'm gonna make the best fit it's ultra and so we're getting we're gearing up for the first couple sets we see good vibrations we see uh we see res which is which is incredible um we saw i think slushy played that night on friday as well nice and we ended up having meeting the rest of our group and the first thing you do when you, you know, hit that group is like, all right, let's go get the water. Let's go get refilled. Like, let's get everything we need so we can go deep. So we go over to the water lines. Everyone's buddied up. I'm with a girl, um, like a friend of mine. And we, we walk over to the water lines. Everyone else is like, all right, bathrooms, food, meet back here. I'm buddy mm-hmm. systeming in with her. And so we literally stood in the water line, wrapping around the edges. Right. It must have been almost an hour. So 45 minutes, 50 minutes. Uh- yeah. And at this point, like I can hear Lost Kings like in the background. I'm just like, oh, okay, like the only like one of my must sees the day. Like, like what, what are we doing? But I couldn't <laughs> leave her alone because again, it, it's ultra. You got to respect the buddy system. Yeah. So we waited for 45, 50 minutes in this line. And as we get to the front, I start seeing how people are just like, they literally need two sets of hands to take a, the camel back off or the hydration mm-hmm. packs they're using, yep. reach in, pull the bladder, separate it from the bag, oh. reach in. So now you have four hands crowding one nozzle and then they finish. They're taking another two minutes to load it back in, zip it yep. all up, shake it around so the items get unblocked and get out of the way. But that whole process per person is taking two, three, four minutes depending yeah, on how yeah. fast they are. Right, right, right. And so it was what the type of thing where it's like, all right, like this is inefficient. <laughs> Finally, we get through the water line. We're annoyed. We get back and we start having an amazing ultra day. As we're finishing that day, we ended up leaving the festival gates and we've got a group of like six or seven. So excuse me. So we have a You're group good. of like six or seven people. And what ends up happening is somebody stops right as we pass the outside of the gates, oh, stops God. like blood draining out of her face. And she goes, wait, guys where's my phone? So we start all rummaging around everybody's bag, looking in every pocket, everything. And I'm like, hey, can I see your bag for a second? She's been looking around. I put my hand in, put her hand in the bag and it goes through the bottom. Oh my God. Somebody had literally gone out with a razor blade and sliced her bag and ran off with her phone and her wallet. And in like, in almost like a comedic fashion, like SNL couldn't have written something any better. Yeah. 10, 15 seconds later, somebody stops and goes, wait, where's my phone? Because it's like, you know, you hear that, you're like, all right, where's my stuff? Like, yeah, yeah. 
And so she had her phone yanked out of her back pocket of her jean shorts. So in the span of a couple of minutes, two yeah. girls in our group had both had lost phones. Again, these are you know, 500, $600,000 phones. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's their lifeline, right? That's, that's their Uber. That's how they pay for things. That's how they stay in touch with their friends. That's how they find people. That's how they have a safe sure. experience. Yeah. So leaving that day, despite the fact that it's this amazing kind of festival weekend where friends right. are reuniting, we've come out of town. Yep. The problem was we had security lines and security rules that were preventing us from having a safe experience. Mm-hmm. We were in long water lines due to inefficient hydration packs that were stopping people from even getting in line in the first place, likely mm-hmm. to cause dehydration and other, other exhaustion problems. Right. Number three, we had like gangs of pickpockets, roving pickpockets going out and, and seeing susceptible people and poop popping a phone, walking out with 200 phones, selling it overseas, whatever. Right, right. So we walked away from this experience for like, there just has to be a better way. Yeah. So starting in kind of the beginning of April, we started to interview people running through like literal scripts of interviews. Like how often do you go to festivals? How much do you think about theft before a festival? How much do you think about theft during the festival? Do you, do you have you used hydration packs before? Can you tell us about that experience? And literally running through these lists. And once we had like, a, honestly, a couple hundred interviews all written down and codified, we started to compare what they were kind of interview to interview to interview to interview and mm-hmm. started to see some themes. Those themes right. were that people had almost like a nightmarish experience with the hydration pack. Either it leaked on them or they didn't yeah. know how to use the top and it was a pain in the ass. Um, they had problems with the bag getting in. So sometimes people got turned away or they didn't mm-hmm. know. They always had to check the rules for every event. Right. And people also did, like, were constantly buying new bags because they felt like they didn't, mess, they didn't like, live up to their style. So there was like this element of getting in, this element of uh, hydration and, and doing right. this element of customization. And then finally, the element of people were sketched out in the crowd. So they, they, mm-hmm. they were concerned about their stuff, concerned about the valuables. And so we combine all that plus the anti-theft into the early designs for the lunchbox. And after mm-hmm. working with some of the best designers in the United States, finding some of the best outdoor materials from ripstop nylon to ballistic anti-cut proof nylon mm-hmm. uh, and, and using comfortable air mesh so you can wear this thing all day, we ended up kind of designing through nine or 10 samples of, uh, of work to land on the current iteration of the Lunchbox Hydration Pack, which kickstarted in December of 2018. Wow. And can I just reiterate too, like you, you pointed out, you had been going to festivals for five years at this point. Like these weren't rookie mistakes. You, you know, the rules you've done it time and time again, you thought you had the right bag. Your friends have probably experienced this too. It's just like, it can literally happen to anybody. It doesn't matter how seasoned you are. And security can just be finicky period. I mean, I think everybody listening has had an experience with the security guard, whether it's the camera you're bringing in, they argue with you and you're not going to leave, but you can't get in. And if you have a camera, you're not leaving that or throwing that out. And same thing with the bag and the waterline, I feel like arguably is one of the most frustrating things. I dealt with that at Izu last year. It was like the most sobering, literally experience waiting 45 minutes in that line. And it was just the most inefficient process in general. So I'm glad that you guys were able to actually identify all of these problems and then really come up with something that solves all of those issues, like exactly at the same time. But I know it's not easy. And like you just said, you went through several different designs, but can you quickly touch on like the whole learning process throughout creating Lunchbox? Like what were some of the biggest challenges when you were trying to get this off the ground? So at the very beginning, we wanted this to be a cure-all, right? We wanted this to solve a lot of those problems that were faced in the, in the festival world. But one of the hardest parts early on was figuring out what was important, but more importantly, what wasn't important. So early on, we had the idea for like, oh, let's put a solar panel charger on the back to keep your phone charged all day. And like, what does that look like? And what are some extra handles and gadgets we can build into the straps? And so 
it, well, one of the hardest things for us was to really go back to our user interviews and our research and say, mm. what do people really care about? Right. People really care about the anti-theft. People really cared about having a better hydration system that didn't leak, number one, or number two, I should say. Um, and then number three, they wanted this element of customization. And so by narrowing those three down, we made our job a lot easier. But at the beginning, we had like this huge list of all the things we wanted to build into this. And it's like, you can only do so much, right? I mean, if too many feature, that's too much cost. You can't get into the hands of people uh, or you compromise the quality of the bag with poorly made parts. It becomes kind of tricky. So one of the learning experiences for us was, you know, narrowing down what we needed to do. Got one it. of the other key learning experiences was giving ourselves permission to screw up. So again, you know, we had been through mm-hmm. n- nine samples to the start of the Kickstarter, 10 samples wow. if, you, if you count the revision through the Kickstarter. And yeah. we, really, we really delivered what we call the V11. Um, we made mm-hmm. bags out of canvas. We made bags out of nylon. We made bags that chafed our shoulders. We made bags that fell apart. We, we screwed up a lot. But mm-hmm. the whole point is that we gave ourselves permission to learn and make mistakes and actually take a step forward. And so that was super important because once we gave ourselves permission to learn from our mistakes, then we gave ourselves the, you know, the, the runway we needed to make the best product possible and learn and implement everything we learned. So the biggest thing there was you're going to screw up, recognize it up front. But the, the one thing that you can't be wrong about is learning from the screw ups and improving the product along the way. So that was another key one. Mm-hmm. How old are you, Tom? Can I ask? I'm 25. Okay. Can we gloat about you for a second here? I'm sorry. I got to do this, but like, I don't think I say this enough. Like it actually is amazing what you built, especially for this community. And at like such a young age, like you just came out and created this incredible product and built this amazing community. And I just want to stress that because for anybody else listening who has dreams or who wants to build something, especially in this community now, which can be really difficult because we don't have live events. It's just amazing what you were able to like pull off and get off the ground with a very small team and limited resources. So I just had to say that because it's like so cool to see how far you've come and we're going to talk about it a little bit later, what's coming up next for Lunchbox, but sorry, continue. <laughs> Again, a lot of that is, is 90% of that is because of the people who have been in the room. I mean, it, yeah. it, we have such an incredible team mm-hmm. and a lot of people sometimes look at, oh like you built this thing I'm like no no you don't understand like we built this thing yeah so that that's a really important distinction for me because it's like we've you know we have an amazing creative director an amazing head of ops amazing chief mm-hmm. revenue officer we've got amazing directors of community and culture like yeah. like the only reason that we've been able to do all this is because of the people in the room mm-hmm. so for the, those of you out there who do want to think about beginning something like it doesn't have to necessarily be all on you you know you can mm-hmm. get the ball started by talking to friends but you know partners help and teammates help you can trust them to, to kind of cover your blind spots. Right. And honestly, like that plus a little bit of, you know, a risk, uh, a yeah. risk tolerant attitude definitely come together in a way that can help to build something meaningful. Awesome. Can you talk about the lunchbox fam? Cause I think that's one thing that is just makes this very, very different than other brands in this community is like the lunchbox fam. Cause we've just seen it. Like we had meetups at, you know, in person at festivals, this incredible Facebook group of like over 600 people and there's just something about it. And to your point, I mean, it starts from, you know, running up to lunchbox, it like lunchbox fam in a crowd when you spot it with, you know, their lights blinking and everything. But can you talk a little bit about the community? Yeah. I mean, it's a, that's my favorite part, right? Like it, yeah. it's the part that puts a smile on my face. It's like the reason I do a lot of this. Um, it, it, it means that the community for me, you know, as we kind of touched on earlier, the community for me gave me the ability to deal with my own problems, especially as it pertained to hearing. Like it literally made me a better person. So kind of coming back into it, like I, I knew that no matter what, the community was the heart and soul of all of this. 
And mm-hmm. so even before we launched, the people we talked to and met at Homebase and talked about this crazy idea for a bag, like those are the first members of our community. That's where we met Brandon Gray, for example, our director of mm-hmm. operations, who's an absolute stud from Atlanta today. We, we literally had our first conversation with people before Lunchbox was even out in the world. Mm-hmm. And so that insight and that sharing attitude gave us the, what we needed to build something that was meaningful. And then once we had something in the field at that first EDC, part of what I did what I, what I did over the course of three days is hopped up on you know way more Red Bulls than I want to admit, <laughs> literally ran around and chased down every single lunchbox I could find at that festival and basically running up. And I was like, all right, like we're going to do a call. We're going to build this in a community. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. And so the first thing that we kind of did to bring people together was the lunchbox fam call out. So when somebody sees somebody at an event, you go, hey, Lunchbox fam, shout them out, walk over, tell them what your name is, where you're from. You guys are probably at a set together. You now have two people together listening to their favorite music in the same place. Like they're primed to be able to build a relationship. They're primed to be able to have a real conversation about something. They're they're both exactly where they want to be in that moment. And that's so rare. And so for, for me, especially early on, I wanted to be able to facilitate those kind of interactions between people. So after literally chasing down hundreds of lunchboxes, including yours, at, yep. uh, at EDC, started to tell people, hey, and so whenever you see somebody with a lunchbox, they go, hey, lunchbox fam. Mm-hmm. By the end of EDC, I was literally running up and I would see two people I had met the day before, hey, lunchbox fam, and walk up. And I'm sitting there, I'm just like, yes, this is what it's all about. Right. And so that, that whole thing has grown and grown and grown and grown and grown. If you like, if you went to a major event in 2019 with a lunchbox, like chances are you, you heard that call out yourself. Right. And that call out became a way to bring people together because you could see the lights and you could see the skin because mm-hmm. the bag looks distinctive. Right. Because we had that visual cue, it was so easy for people to find each other. At which point, once people followed us on social and followed our emails and kind of kept track when we had meetups, it became really easy to be like, hey, guys, we're meeting at 6 p.m. for Noizu at Stereo Bloom. Uh, mm-hmm. Look for you know the, the rainbow totem with a frog on top. And let's all get there. We'll hang out for 30 minutes, take a photo and, and go on to your festival day. But like, let's get together. Yep. And so yep. people love building that into their own festival experience because it improved the experience for them. The people they met the music they discovered that they wouldn't have otherwise or the experiences they had as part of this group and so where festivals are so much about togetherness and community being able to facilitate those groups and these people coming together where there are so many shared interests in the same room Mm -hmm. is such an important part of who we are and i'd honestly say the most important part of who we are because it's the thing that continually gives our team energy like i said we build great products but the thing that energizes us is our community. Yep. And it, it's just continued. Like now with the Facebook group, we've been able to do Zoom calls with everybody. So we're still trying to keep like that spirit alive and keep the community together. But I will say, I think meetups started to become one of my favorite things about festivals because even in like the five plus years I was doing it, that wasn't something the first maybe three years. And then I would say 2018, 100% 2019 meetups became like an integral part of my festival experience. Like at least once a day, a once a day of the festival, I was going to one because there's just something nice about meeting new people and getting out of your own group and just expanding your festival family. So that's definitely a huge huge part about lunchbox but I didn't get a chance to ask you to well let me ask you this first because I I know you have so many good stories about this do you have any favorite memories of people you've met in the crowd or like seeing a lunchbox in a crowd at an event oh totally I mean like like this is just dozens um I I I think you uh I have to shout out one of my favorite um one of my favorite experiences was at Bonnaroo we were at the um the what stage 
And then we were heading over to Calliope and it was, it was late. It was like five, 6 a.m. in the morning. The sun's starting to come up and it's like, you see the sun, you're like, oh, yeah, like, oh, that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, I was with Meredith, who is our director of e-commerce at Lunchbox, as well as our co-founder. Um, that girl is just an absolute dream. Mm-hmm. And Meredith and I were bumping around Bonnaroo and having the best time. And we headed over to Calliope. They're playing like late night tech house, art car, like, it, like the whole thing is decorated as like almost like a clown car with like flames coming from the top and over the crowd and like each heat blast is like warming you up. You're like, give it to me. And <laughs> anyway, all of a sudden I see, uh, I see a girl with a bucket hat jumping around with a lunchbox and like the front right of the crowd. We go up and say hi. And it turns out it's this girl named Casey who is jumping around having the time of her life. She's like, oh my God, you got the lunchbox guy. Like, hey, what's up lunchbox fam? And so we spent the next two hours together, literally just hanging out at Calliope from five until seven in the morning. Mm-hmm. And Casey's like the nicest person, has finger puppets and a little tiny hand and like all the, you know, great pashmina. And just like, oh, just such a nice person. Mm-hmm. But she talked about how she found the Kickstarter and she's like, finally, like I don't have to be sketched out in crowds. And the funny kind of part of the story here is like, Casey is is amazing and she's such a great member of our community that later on she ended up coming to uh, coming on the team to help coordinate our social media so it was a very interesting example of how like you know we are events right like that is core to who we are and so for her we literally met her by happenstance by with a lunchbox in a crowd and Mm -hmm. she would later come on to be one of our dear friends and a member of our team so it's like little moments like that you would never know but also right. the, the lesson there is that it's not even about what happened at the, the event. That's a starting point. Right. The journey from that starting point is what builds the relationship. So the fact that we're mm-hmm. still in touch and on in a regular touch and she's a part of our team goes to show that the yep. point is bringing people together, but the, but the joy and the experience of it is having that full experience of being able to have the relationship even after the festival's done. So good. Casey's absolutely wonderful. You guys, yes, she runs the Instagram account, but the videos of you guys meeting is the best. Casey is also known as Mop Girl. For some of you who don't know, she's a huge Wakan head and she always brings a mop with her and mops up the ground. It's the fucking best thing ever. <laughs> um, can I ask you one last question before we get into your exciting news? How do you, because a lot of people have asked me this, how do you balance now working at a festival versus still enjoying yourself as a fan of the music? That's a great question. Um, and I'm going to ask you the same because I'll, <laughs> I'll hear your answer after this. Um, so at first, I mean, especially starting from EDC 2019 onwards, mm-hmm. it was tricky because like I wanted to meet all the members of the Lunchbox fam. And so mm-hmm. I like I was really focused on getting to as many people as possible. But there was also a way to like layer in like your must-sees and layer in like the people mm-hmm. you wanted to see regardless. So the idea was like land in a crowd, be with Lunchbox fam, and then enjoy your favorite sets and have people coming to you or like surprising people. But there's the element of like, Yes, you're there to work per se, Mm -hmm. but also like authenticity doesn't come from necessarily being hyper-professional. Authenticity comes from, no, like I love the music too. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of a way to like combine these together where I'm in the crowd at my favorite events and I'm in the crowd at my favorite shows and favorite artists, but I'm there with members of our community. So it becomes this powerful shared experience. So going into it, like, yes, there is more prep than usual. Yes, we're handing things out. And yes, we're hosting meetups and sharing that on social and, and wrapping that whole experience up. But for me, it actually enhances our experience where, yes, like there, there are more moving parts and more logistics, but no matter what, 
the music's still great. The people are even better and the environment's unforgettable. So how can you go wrong? Yeah. And Sunday is party day. <laughs> Sunday is party day. Uh, yeah. as, as Emma knows, Friday and Saturdays are like, all right, we're going to get our stuff. We're going to host the meetup. We're going to hand out X amount of things. We're going to go see how, how many people in sets we can. Yes. And Sunday is like, all right, let's relax. Everyone knows where we are. Come join us. But then it's like, it's time for our team to have a good time. 100%. No, I agree with that. I think because I get a lot of questions about vlogging too. I think it's like you only see a small portion of the entire three day weekend, right? Like it's totally possible to capture your experiences and maybe film five to eight minutes of a set and then you still have a full 40, you know, 50 minutes to go. So you do, you do just get used to it. But I think like I don't know. For me, it's like I get to the event. I usually try and get like my content out of the way very early on and then film a little bit throughout the night. And then when it gets dark, there's only so much you can do. So like meetups, things like that are always earlier. And to your point, by the by the last day, you're kind of really enjoying yourself. But it just it depends. I personally enjoy recording and filming content, having meetups. Um, so I, if you like what you do, it obviously doesn't feel like you're working. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, like imagine last year was a great example of this, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you hosted your rave culture cast meetup and, and, and during the day you're focused on kind of knocking out your content and making sure that you can tell the story of the event to your audience. Right. But then again, it's only a couple hours at lane eight, like you're, you're recording the highlights and you're sharing those best moments. But it's also Emma Capotis in the crowd, like, this is what I love. And so like, right. that, that, that's the part of it where it, it provided that you're diligent about knowing what needs to get done, you mm-hmm. create those moments to be able to fully relax and kind of be with the people you're with, which is so key. Yes, for sure. And now we're in end of 2020 here, Tom, what's next for Lunchbox? So it's been, as you guys can imagine, a weird <laughs> year. Uh, we had the rug pulled out from under us on events. Um, and for us, you know, we, we had... And we had a big option, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of the other brands in the space, especially in the pack space, kind of got quiet or uh, didn't you know, do as much. And we kind of said, you know what? Come hell or high water, we want to have a place for our community to live and exist and still create an experience for them, even mm-hmm. if we're not at events, because right now they need it. And so we kind of took this opportunity as a year to rebuild our website and build loyalty programs and conceptualize new products and design new things and put together an internal infrastructure and just build a better organization so we could do a better job of serving our community. Mm-hmm. And so within that, you know, we've had a couple of sales throughout the year that have been super fun. We've put out some great content. We've had amazing Facebook fam Zoom calls. And if you're not, if you're hearing this as a member of the Lunchbox fam, join our Facebook group. There's always mm-hmm. something happening in there. Um, but the biggest thing for us is that we were kind of planning everything for a big end of the year. And so we have kind of two big things coming up in November that are, I'd say, each independently our biggest items of the year, like number one, number two. Mm-hmm. Um, the first and kind of big announcement is that we have three exclusive limited edition skins dropping on Black Friday, uh, flash reflective with different rainbows and silvers, uh, yeah. literally going to be a limited quantity. Once they sell out, it's gonna, we're, we're going to take our time before even kind of looking at like, what the next skins are. So it's like, these are it. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're super excited to share some of our, our content and reels around that. Mm-hmm. But the big main event is that, you know, early on in the beginning of the year, we wanted to talk to our customers about like what was next, right? So Lunchbox is like this perfect product for festivals, but mm-hmm. we started to realize that people were, you know, not necessarily taking it to a show or there were just a group of people who didn't want to have a hydration pack on at a festival. Right. And we were like, all right, so what do you want? Like, what's interesting to you? What, what do you bring? You know, mm-hmm. what, do you bring a jewel? Do you bring a vape? Do you bring a foam battery? Do you bring wipes? Do you bring, um, you know, Vicks Vapor Rub? What do you bring to a show? Mm-hmm. And so after kind of working back from the things that people brought and the things they care about, like not having something flapping around, having something that gets in everywhere, 
we ended up designing what we call the snack pack and the sling pack. So you can kind of see them behind me. You're going to have a better view on uh, staring and staring us in the face right now. <laughs> uh, so they're, they're going to be launched on November 16th on Kickstarter. The first people that actually uh, back the campaign, the first 24 hours, you're going to get the best deals and an extremely limited edition early bird where you're going to get like the best prices, the best deals. What we're excited about with this Kickstarter is that we finally get to take all the best parts of the lunchbox and compress that into a smaller package where you don't need to be worried about the safety of your items at events. You don't need to be worried about it not fitting in or getting in. You don't need to be worried about being uncomfortable. You've got dedicated pockets for your phone. You've got a way to keep your phone charged all day with full phone pathways that go from the main compartment to the phone pocket. Yeah, this thing everything. Is <laughs> thing to bring to a, an indoor event or even a night out. Mm-hmm. And so the snack pack kind of wraps all that up into one very utilitarian pack. The right. snack pack, which is right here, is the same thing, a little bit bigger, but actually has an insulated water bottle compartment on the front. So if you want to, you don't have to throw away those plastic bottles you buy at the show or put them in your back pocket or throw them on the ground and, and, mm-hmm. and just have them go into a landfill. Instead, you can either save that and refill that plastic bottle or bring your own, which is super, super cute. That's good. So, it's amazing. This is so exciting. Like, I, th- I don't think, because Lunchbox has obviously been the star of the show with the hydration pack, but for me on a practical level, and I know we've talked about this, like my go-to thing when I go to shows in New York City and in Brooklyn is a black fanny pack every single time. It's what I've worn for years. And that was like a huge thing as we wanted this to be accessible, everyday use, casual use. It's the perfect thing to bring into a show. It's small enough. So this is this was just naturally the next step, I feel like, for you. It was definitely naturally the next step. And I think we, we did a lot of the things that we did in the design of the lunchbox right with this. Um, we're still iterating. We're still making it even better. Uh, we've got world-class materials that you know can't get wet, durable, water-resistant, lightweight. It feels like you're literally spooning a pillow when you wear this thing. I mean, it's one of those things where we built the thing that we were missing for ourselves at shows and the things that we were missing for ourselves at one day events where we didn't want to have a hydration pack. And most importantly, you know, the lunchbox is a relatively expensive product, right? A hundred bucks for the base unit. This is important because now people can have the security of the lunchbox without necessarily the price tag. Um, the, the main retail on this, on the sling pack is going to be around 55 and the, uh, the, the snack packs probably going to be anywhere between 35 and 40, depending on what final costs come out to be. But the element here is that if you want to have a safer experience, you don't want the big price tag, and you want to be able to take this everywhere into the show, into the festival, but also real life every single day, mm-hmm. these are minimalist, mm-hmm. they're sleek, they're, they're elite products with black flash reflective logos on the front, shout out Emma for that idea, that truly help this go everywhere. It's not an in-your-face brand. Most importantly, it makes sure that you have the best experience possible without a crazy price tag behind it. So that was kind of our whole idea. Crazy. And it's anti-theft too. If it's in the family, yeah. From every angle, actually. Um, you can, uh, there are these clips that clip together on the actual pack that are super easy to use. So whether you wear it on your back or you wear it on your front or under your arm or even as a fanny pack, it's anti-theft from every angle. So you wear it whatever's comfortable for you. And then you have the ability to kind of, you know, go in on, on your night without having to worry about somebody pickpocketing your phone. It's amazing. I'm seriously like so proud of the team. And I, I was excited to have you on today because I just feel like this is naturally an incredible step. And yet again, like, I don't think people realize how much thought went into this. And you spoke to all different types of people in this community and what their needs are and what their issues are and address that. And like, even for shufflers, like what's the most comfortable bag for you to wear? Same thing. Like I'm always a person who has a huge ass water bottle at a show and I don't want to hold it. So I stick it in my back pocket in my jeans and it's uncomfortable. So it's kind of like addressing all those issues that people are going to have every day and when events come back. So I'm so excited. 
I like for this launch, I think it's going to be amazing. It's a great way to wrap up the year and get excited for when events eventually come back next year. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, again, this year has been an absolute gaslight in a lot of ways. I think yeah. we, we all, it's tough for people who love this as a, as like their number one way to spend time. Cause we all kind of lost our favorite hobby. Um, but regardless, you know, the idea of being able to plan for next year and actually plan for th- when things get better mm-hmm. is super important because we should be hopeful. The, the world, the world hopefully is trending towards a better place. And, you know, we want to be ready and, and part of that journey when you guys get there. So for sure. All right, before I let you go here, I did not get to ask you, so I'm just going to tag this on the end. Can you just talk about your love of Night Base really quickly? <laughs> oh, my God. Where did it come from? <laughs> you know what? I, I, I don't know. It's like at this point, it's just like a little black streak in my heart. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, Night Base, Night Base is easily my favorite label. Um, yeah. I mean, their, their team is incredible. Aaron's the absolute man. Um, so early on in, uh, in like February of 2019, we had, uh, one of, one of our, one of our field guys, Chris Cook was at a show in Jacksonville with one of the first like couple lunchboxes that I, I had brought back from overseas. Mm-hmm. And so it was, um, he was at a show, he's holding the lunchbox up he's listening to AC Slater and AC like sees him holding up this bag with all the lights on it and actually calls him out. Um, and it's like, Hey, what is that? Tell me about this. Oh, this is a lunchbox. What even is that? Right. And so the, the backstory here is that from early 2018, basically through that moment, myself, Meredith, and some of the early members of the Lunchbox team had literally just like sat in a room for eight, nine hours a day, blasting Night Beast sets. Chris <laughs> Lorenzo, Wax Motif, who is my guy, yeah. every house of wax you could think of, played like 13, 14 times. The best house of waxes are probably uh, 13 and honestly 25, just for those awesome. of you listening at home. But l- legit, like the the anthem of building Lunchbox was Night Beast, and there's just like mm, the brutal Beast House beats. And so flash forward to Chris Cook, February in, uh, in Orlando, uh, AC Slater calls him out. He's like, what if we did a Night Beast skin with the actual night, the lunchbox product, and we're freaking wow. out because it's yeah. like that's all we've been listening to. And so at that point, um, he was like, "All right, look, you know, why don't we do a night base skin for the the inaugural uh, inaugural night base festival in Chicago on the lakefront green in July?" So over the course of a couple of months, we get the designs together, we get the prototypes in, and we actually were able to, as lunchbox, show up with branded night base products at the event wow. and literally give each and every DJ in night base including Wax, Chris Lorenzo, uh, everyone who were just Jack like our Beats, favorite. Jack Beats, there? Jack Beats was there. Yeah. Kendall was there. Uh, it was it was just an amazing event. And it was a huge moment for them as a label because it was the first time they were doing something of this size, especially out of their home base in LA. And right. it was big for us because it was our first artist partnership. And I, I remember one of the, one of my favorite stories of that uh of that of that day was that you know we had gotten these little like black vinyl stickers that we had adhered to all the night base skins can we personalize every single night base lunchbox with the dj's name everyone kind of had their personalization mm. and so you know we're running around uh, peyton our creative director is handing these off meredith's handing these off and we started with like you know 12 or 14 and we get down to the last two one of them was a dj who was playing a little earlier who didn't show up who's like a night base local in chicago mm. and the last one most importantly was wax motif now this is super important for everyone to recognize <laughs> because I, I am just like i have like idol level love for wax motif so anyway um we're wrapping up our videographer chris mcconnell is crushing the event uh, he and i are backstage waiting for the last couple of sets and the the, the order i was planned of the last two sets of the night was chris lorenzo b2b wax motif followed by oh ec slater it's 9 p.m 
uh, I think AC gets on the mic and he's like, hey guys, just want to let you know, uh, Wax is like flight got canceled. Not, we're not sure he's gonna be able to make it. Like, just like, I'm, I'm so sorry. And then Chris Lorenzo hops on for a solo set. AC jumps in. And then all of a sudden I'm like, this is awful. Like, I'm holding wax motifs right. on the bag behind stage. And like, listen, it was an amazing experience regardless. Like yeah, I'm very thankful for it. But I was like my favorite DJ. I wanted to give him the bag and <laughs> name was on it. Like I, it was like a whole thing. And so I'm sitting there. I'm like, all right, like, you know, I've got a bag. He's not going to be here. Yeah. And so I peel the sticker off because I'm going to go give this to AC Slater agent. And it's like, all right, like at least, at least it's getting into the hands of somebody who's going to use it. Oh my so God. I take the sticker off and I'm walking up to the, to the agent. His name is Max. Awesome guy. Walk up to Max. And then in that second, AC Slater gets back on the mic and goes, yo, 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 look who it is. Look who made it even with a cancel flight. Wax motif runs out on stage. Oh my god! I'm sitting there like, my god, my face is melting. I'm just like, you have to be kidding me. <laughs> so I immediately turn around. I'm like, all right, this is this is gonna happen. I run off the stage into the grass behind, phone flashlight on, looking for this fucking sticker that's all crumbled <laughs> up. After about five minutes, like I'm like stressed out. Yeah. After yeah. Five minutes, I find the sticker through a little bit of luck and a lot of stress. I get the whole thing out. I get it back on the bag. It looks like 90%, 95% of the way there. Yeah. I'm back on stage. I go, I go nudge AC. I'm like, you need to give this to him right now. A video <laughs> for Chris McConnell standing in front of the stage, facing the camera, or facing yeah. where Wax is playing. AC is like, all right, yeah, cool, I'll do this. Takes it, hands it to Wax. Wax looks at it for a split second, holds it up, videographer is right there getting him holding up oh the Oh my god. Thing. And I'm just sitting there like this is the best day of my life. <laughs> yeah. down, continues to set. The set. I mean, I'm gonna. It's just. It was such a crazy experience. Yeah. And I was sitting there. I'm just like, this has been one of the hands down the coolest experiences of Lunchbox to date. <laughs> Weird, but like it worked out. We built Lunchbox tonight. Bays. They gave us our first shot on the artist side. They let us be at their their first inaugural festival. Um, we got wax to hold up a night base uh, like Lunchbox in front of a crowd of four thousand people. It's just like amazing. There are a lot of emotional experiences tied into that, and it's like you just can't replicate that. Amazing! What a way to end, Tom. I these are like the memories that stick with you, though, and it's just again like so amazing to see the growth of the company, and it's cool that that happened so early on as well. But Thank you so much for doing this. Can you share where everybody can connect with you and Lunchbox? Yeah, so our uh, you can follow us on Instagram at, at it's the Lunchbox. If you want to check me out, my IG is at real Tommy Bahama. Um, our website, if you want to check out some of the Lunchboxes up there now, is www.itsthelunchbox.com. Check us out for Black Friday deals. We're going to be having insane discounts and amazing skins that are going to be limited edition. And our Kickstarter drops on 1116. So if you want to be first in line for mm-hmm. all of our best products, and again, getting the Founders Edition, the first one off the production line, help support us in that first 24 hours. And uh, Emma will drop a link below with uh, with our landing page. But guys, mm-hmm. join the VIP list, join the Lunchbox fam, and I'm looking forward to meeting all you at an event soon. Yes, thank you so much, Tom. Hang tight, everybody else. I will be back in just a second with EDM News. Alrighty, you guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Tom. It was really exciting just learning more about him. Again, it's it's interesting to have friends of mine on here because obviously we have our day-to-day conversations, but sometimes we don't get into the deeper stuff. So it was awesome to get to know him a little bit better. I really hope you guys enjoyed it and learned more about Lunchbox. Um, and again, you can follow him at Real Tommy Bahama on Instagram if you want to connect. 
And do not forget to check out the Kickstarter. It is happening next Monday, 11-16. The people who join on the first day, you guys are going to have the best deals. So definitely check that out. You'll have lower prices and then it'll go up in there. But the Snack and Sling Pack are incredible. I've had the chance to review them on my YouTube channel. So definitely go check out that video if you want like full detailed breakdowns of the two bags. Um, that's youtube.com slash Emma Capotis. Okay, let's just jump right into EDM news because I have a lot to cover today. I hope you guys are pumped. Okay, so starting as of last week, I decided to break my news up into festival news and then industry news just so we could follow along that way. So the first thing, it's a little bit of old news now, but Escape 2021 was announced Halloween weekend. So next year, it's going to be October 29th and 30th and two-day passes are now on sale if you guys are interested in that. Uh, we also got some news about Ubby Dubby. I don't know if anybody else carried their tickets over, but um, it was going to be my first time attending this year. I got VIP passes for it, so I chose to hold on to them. And fingers crossed, if it'll happen in April, I will definitely be going. So Texas fam, I hope to see you guys there. But um, we had a couple updates this Monday. So it's changed locations, first of all. It's going to be at the Texas Motorplex in Ennis, Texas. And they did this because they are now offering camping. So as far as I know, that's the first time they're ever offering camping. Um, probably because of everything happening with COVID, they, they want to have a situation where things are outdoors. It also says it's going to be at 50% capacity and masks will be required to be worn throughout the weekend. So I'm sure as it gets closer, we'll have updated health and safety measures and like what they're doing. But yeah, it's April 24th to the 25th. And I believe if you already have tickets, you will have first access to the camping passes. So just check that out and sign up for their email. We also just got word, which I'm so excited about, Tomorrowland is doing another virtual event. I don't know if any of you guys were able to experience the one they did this summer, but I bought tickets to it last minute. It was worth every penny. They created the coolest virtual world like you could click around on your tv or on your computer and the stages were almost like 3d it felt like you were kind of there it was really cool so they're doing that again for new year's eve they just dropped the lineup so that's really exciting and you know obviously if it's probably going to be a much quieter new year's eve you can pop that on and have a nice cozy live stream at home so that's exciting um, we also got an announcement from Brownies and Lemonade. They are going to be doing Lake Brownies and Lemonade, which sounds really cool. So it is a three-day event, two nights, one hotel. It's day and night parties at Lake Havasu in Arizona, and it's August 27th to the 29th in 2021. Uh, and then in their Instagram post, they said it's a limited capacity, hotel-inclusive weekend experience at Lake Havasu with day and night parties, activities, games, and more, um, featuring sets, obviously, from special guests and Brownies and Lemonade's favorite artists, along with surprise performances. The lineup's going to be good. You already know that, because Brownies and Lemonade shows are always insane. So you already know it's going to be good, but I think that'll be a really cool event. We love to see it, uh, a new show. So let me know if you guys plan on buying tickets to that. And then we have a lot of news coming out of Insomniac. I'm not going to lie. They were, they've been up to a lot, which is not surprising. But they are basically taking over the production of the festival Forbidden Kingdom. So they announced new dates for 2021. Normally, it takes place in Florida in February. And in 2021, it's going to be June 11th and 12th, 
I believe the same location, Sunset Cove Amphitheater. And they said, a new adventure awaits. Time to awaken thy medieval spirits as we join forces with Insomniac events for an adventure unlike any other two full days of music, plus art, 611 and 612-2021. Your base kingdom awaits. So that's really cool. I feel like Insomniac is kind of just coming in here and scooping up all these smaller festivals, which honestly, probably because of the financial situation a lot of these smaller events are in to survive they might need to partner with a larger production like insomniac so you know i'm sure it'll be amazing i've never attended but i think that's going to be a cool pairing and i had to read this because this is kind of this is a little bit more industry news so i'll kind of jump right into that so insomniac is actually partnering up with a couple of local venues in washington dc So they have a new partnership. Well, they acquired Club Glow. So if you guys are local to the area, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And they have a new partnership along with the iconic Washington, D.C. venues Echo Stage and Soundcheck. Now, I've never been to any of these, but Echo Stage, I am very much aware of. There have been some iconic shows there. And I know that's like one of the biggest EDM venues in DC so that's going to be literally insane all right in this article on your edm.com Pasquale is quoted saying glow has been a champion of dance music culture for over 20 years and Pete and his team have been instrumental in helping grow and shape the entire east coast scene Uh, I couldn't be happier to align our teams and continue raising the bar for live dance music experiences so I guess we'll see obviously we don't have shows right now but anybody in the area I wouldn't doubt that you guys are going to have some amazing performances, shows, production when all of that comes back. Maybe I will take a trip down and finally go to Echo Stage or Club Glow. I would absolutely love that. All right. um, Other industry news, you guys. I told you we have a lot. Grab a snack. Grab a drink. (laughs) Two friends came out with their big booty mix volume 18 shit is a banger they're always good they are like my go-to workout sets so definitely go check that out on soundcloud and then on the flip side rufus de soul kind of like sneakily or quietly announced that they are working on a new album they posted about it in a tweet so i'll go ahead and read that for you if my computer would load here hold on All right, we're having technical errors and it's not loading. But yeah, they basically announced that they're working on new music and a new album is going to be coming from Rufus DeSoul. So that's super exciting. Okay, last up, I have to address this because this is always very big every year when it comes out. But we have two major lists that came out. Number one was the top 101 producers of 2020. This is, well, basically it's a list. It's a database of the largest DJ set list database And it features representation from over 21 countries. And these are basically songs that are played in other artists' sets. So essentially, if your music that you put out is played the the most amount of times by other artists, you rank in this database. And I had to share it because my boy Oliver Heldens was number one. I love him to death. It is so amazing seeing him finally... Not finally, but just like getting the credit. Like he's he's growing so much more. His name is out there so much more. And I'm going to talk about it next. But he ranked number eight on the DJ Mag Top 100. And I've just been singing his praises for years. He is 
such a talented young producer. He has his alias Hilo that he produces under. And this year he came out with like the most fire tracks. So it's not surprising at all that other artists are using his music all the time in their sets. So high, high five. I'm clapping, clapping for Oliver Heldens. Um, yeah, so I'm really, really excited for him, which leads me to my next point. So yeah, the DJ Mag top 100 list came out. The controversial top 100 list, if I may say so myself. I don't really know how I feel about this. You guys will have to let me know. Go comment in the Facebook group about it. But I don't really pay attention to it. I know a lot of artists in the industry kind of question it and just feel like it's not the most trusted of lists, I would say. I don't know. So I don't know how I feel about it, but it's something that, you know, draws in a lot of attention every single year. And funny enough, I just thought the timing of this was interesting. They decided to announce the artists. They drip it. So they like go through each of the 100 artists and they drop it on their Instagram. It was announced the same day that the winner of the United States presidential election was announced. So I feel like most people were like, there are bigger things going on in the world to pay attention to. But obviously they didn't like plan that timing. We didn't know when the election was going to be called. So anyway, I don't know how I feel about this list. I always feel like there really isn't much representation on it um, for people of color, for women. Uh, I also feel like this might skew a little bit more to European crowd than the United States, but that's just my humble opinion. However, number one this year was David Guetta. Number two was Dimitri Vegas and Like Mike. Number three was Martin Garrix. Four, Armin Van Buren. And five, Alec. So you always have the same like heavy hitters in the top 10. But um, yeah, I was like I said, some highlights. Oliver Heldens was in there. Don Diablo was in the top 10. Steve Aoki, Timmy Trumpet. Interesting enough, Tiesto dropped down to number 16. He's always in like the top 10, top five. So that was pretty crazy. Um, but one thing that's definitely worth noting is Charlotte DeWitt, the techno queen, won the alternative top 100. So that's amazing that she got her name in there. I feel like female techno artists are just absolutely smashing it. So yay for Charlotte DeWitt. It's nice to see a woman on top, baby. Okay, last up, you guys. Let's jump into my songs of the week. Some of these are new. Some of these are not. So I'm just going to hop right into it. I will really quickly tell you that I put out a playlist every single Friday called New Music Friday. And it's been really fun. I've been working on it for over a year and I just pick my top picks every single week. It comes out Friday morning. I post highlights to my Instagram stories and you get the newest in EDM every week. So definitely go check out that playlist and follow it. So my first song that I've been bumping nonstop is Chris Lake's song, I Remember. It's not the newest release, but Every now and then I just get like hooked on a new Chris Lake song and I just play it a million times over and over again. And I think I remember was in like a TikTok ranking list that I did. And I was just like, wow, the song fucking slaps. It's so good to dance to. So that's my number one. Number two, hitting you guys in the feels is Riptide by Trifecta, Amidi, Amidi and Rory. This one is just like the perfect melodic bass dubstep kind of track. Um, the chorus in it is amazing. It hits me in my feels and I just, I don't know. I just had a resurgence of this song. So definitely go listen to Riptide. You guys will love that. And then two new tracks I want to mention. 
Uh, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that John Summit's song Deep End was extremely popular over the summer. It was like the number one on Beatport for a while, but Darren Styles just remixed it. He is a hard style artist. I'm like talking about hard style a little bit more recently. Who even am I? But anyway, it's such a good remix. If you guys need like an introduction to hard style, check it out. Um, it's really, really good. So yeah, that's Darren Styles remix Deep End. And lastly, I've been into Dusty Cloud's new EP. I believe there are three tracks on it, but just good, dark, dirty, bass, house vibes. Really great. I like the whole EP. So check that out from Dusty Cloud. All right, fam, we made it to the end of the episode. I know that was a ton of information, but I hope you guys are enjoying everything. I hope you like these segments at the end. Definitely leave me your feedback. I am always open if you want to DM me at Rave Culture Cast and at Amicapotis. Um, another great way to get in touch and just chat with everybody in the community is to join our Facebook group, the Rave Culture Cast community group. Uh, I post in there very frequently and I always am looking for your feedback, asking you guys to participate and we're talking about all kinds of shit in there. So definitely come join the group. Um, And again, please send in some new listener of the week nominations. I'm always looking for those, but I really hope you guys enjoyed this. Go say hello to at Real Tommy Bahama and at It's the Lunchbox. Check out the Kickstarter on 1116. You guys will not be disappointed. Um, And of course, the Rave Culture Cast merch line. If you want to check that out, there will be a link down below. But I love you guys. I am so excited about this podcast and the next few episodes we have coming up. You are if you're still listening right now, you guys are going to lose your minds when you see who next week's guest is. Like, I cannot believe it's happening. I totally forgot about this, but it's somebody you've been requesting a lot and somebody I've personally been trying to get on here for months and they are going to blow your friggin' mind. So get pumped for next week's episode. All right, you guys, I hope you all are staying happy and healthy. Please take care of each other. Be kind to yourself. And I will see you guys next Wednesday. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.